Hey everyone, it's Jen, your favorite Nerdiqua, and welcome back to my podcast, Rocking Your Bald. Today, I have Christy Val. Christy stopped by to share her story of acceptance and how she is changing the narrative of toxic beauty standards. Christy, back in 2019, made a huge statement during her walk at a Sports Illustrated swimsuit show. She pulled off her blonde wig on the catwalk. Baltarage. She's also a professional actress, dancer, and the founder of Baltarage, an amazing alopecia community that supports women, girls, and mothers of daughters who have hair loss. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and thanks for listening. So, when did you and alopecia become best friends forever? Good question. I would say me and alopecia became best friends forever when I decided to take off my wig and share a video and share my story. And instead of denying it and rejecting it and letting it dictate my happiness and my career and my life, I was like, no, I'm going to become best friends with it. For I like that that way that you're putting it. So it was in uh, 2018, I think, when I decided I was wearing a wig for a year and I was like, I'm over hiding behind this. I want the world to know my real look and my truth. And then I leaned in. At first, I wasn't buddy, buddy, besties. But that is when I initiated that sort of friendship towards my or relationship towards my alopecia. I remember the news at that time when it came out that you did that. What did that feel like for you? It felt so liberating and freeing and empowering. And it just felt like my world's just, my life is just beginning. I was now like writing the narrative rather than this dictating or writing how my life was going to play out. So it felt really, for lack of better words, I feel like it's really overused, but empowering. I felt I was taking the power back and I was in control to an extent of how I was being perceived and just more fulfilled and full and more myself as the time went on. I like what you said. That was going to be my next question, that you felt more like yourself. And I'm curious, what was the reaction backstage after you did that and walked back there for, I guess, your next outfit? Would you have to transition to another outfit after that? Yeah. So um, after when I walked on the runway for Sports Illustrated and I ripped the wig off, it was like, I, I was in shock, honestly, that I had gotten myself to that point. And I remember I strutted off the runway with the wig in my hands and I went backstage to, there was a little mirror back there and I remember looking in it and this was very fresh in my alopecia journey. And I remember being like, wow, I just did that. And I got a little emotional. I like took a second with myself before I was rushed into the next look. But it was just like, just so, I was so happy and so proud that I got myself to that point. And I think that, that's really powerful. I think a lot of people should feel that way and so proud of themselves getting themselves to that point. Nobody else, no one is was handing us silver platter. I got myself to that point and I'm really proud that I was able to through all the struggle that comes with alopecia, you know? And I'm sure no one backstage beforehand with the show encouraged you to do that. They preferred the wig, right? So this company's brand specifically is all about inclusivity and diversity. So I said, what do you think if I wear a wig and rip it off? They knew me bald. So they knew that like they met me, had met me bald. So that was your idea. Yeah. And I was like, what if I did this? And I think they were like, oh, we were going to ask you. We would love that idea. 
And then that has been such an iconic moment in my life. And now it's like in, you saw at the New York event in the little girls' lives at the Baltarage events when they ripped the wig off on their little runway. It's just so powerful. Everyone deserves to have that like feeling, you know? Oh, yeah, that feeling is great. And to what you said earlier, when you finally come to that place where you can really accept yourself, flaws and all, it just does something to you. And sometimes I think, and I'm sure you can agree with this, it's hard to articulate it in words sometimes because you're discovering a part of you that was always there, but then it's the first time you discovered that. Wow, what a good, profound way to say it. You're right. It was always there, but it wasn't nurtured or had to be exposed because I had my hair. But after we lose our hair, it brings out this whole other side of ourselves. It's really powerful. And not everybody gets to experience that in their lifetime. Do you think this part of you would have come out eventually even with hair? Or do you think that would have never been discovered? That's a really good question. I think I've always been this way, but I don't think I've had opportunities or experiences to highlight these parts of me. I didn't really fully understand struggle until I lost my hair because of the way that how I grew up and whatnot. So the struggle in the, the beauty of all of this has really, really brought out the best side of me. I love that. The struggle brought out the best side of you. You should put that on a t-shirt. It's so true. (laughs) Well, before we get so far in, can you share with everyone your alopecia story, how you and alopecia met and how she was very audacious and disrespectful? (laughs) So I was 22 years old. I had just graduated from Penn State. I had never even heard the word alopecia. I had long blonde hair. I was in a sorority. I was a dancer. I was outgoing. I had lots of friends, the whole thing. And I randomly, after I graduated, three weeks later, I found a tiny bald patch on the top of my head. And I was like, oh, this must be from the sun, from pulling my hair up too tight. Had no idea it would ever progress to where it is. So I went and saw doctors. I got steroid injections. I got diagnosed with alopecia, the whole thing. But I remember feeling very invincible, like, oh, this is going to pass. This doesn't happen to me or like this won't happen to me. I was really feeling that way. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, that feeling of feeling invincible until something happens. So I was definitely experiencing that. I was also in denial. Um, And then it started to kind of grow back from the injections and whatnot. But I was under a lot of stress at the time. I was commuting into New York City for a dance program, was in a really toxic relationship. So my life had just graduated college, was just entering into my career as a professional dancer where 99% of it matters about what you look like. So I was going through all these changes and was just in shock that this was happening. And then it started to kind of grow back. And then I went through, um, or I was on a, my dream job at the time on a cruise ship and they let me go they fired me within three weeks or three months three weeks yeah and I had no idea or six weeks I don't even know anymore but after a little bit of time I was fired and I was shocked because I was having the best time of my life I was doing my job perfectly all the things and then I lost my hair in three weeks that's what it was from that from getting fired and so I was completely bald after getting fired and that was definitely triggered by trauma of and stress and anxiety of my life being completely thrown upside down. 
because I had no job. I had no apartment. I moved out of New York. I was really, really lost and confused and sad and angry and all the negative emotions. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not, my story doesn't end here. I'm not giving up. I'm going to move out to LA and I'm going to refine myself. And I glued on a wig, booked a one-way flight out to Los Angeles from Philly. And I was like, bye to my family. I'm going to just go after it and try it. And I pretended for a little over a year that I was the same girl that I was. I wore a long blonde wig. I glued it on my head. I showered. I sweat. I took hot yoga. I worked out. I did everything. I slept in that wig. And I worked at a rooftop bar in Hollywood. And so many people would comment, is your hair extensions? Are you wearing a wig? What's your natural color hair? And all those comments, as I know a lot of people can probably relate to, would just crush me. I would go in the bathroom and hide and cry and be like, why is this happening to me? Why? Blah, blah, blah. And then I got to the point of being like, I can't let exterior comments and people's questions dictate how I feel about myself day in and day out. So I was like, I got to get ahead of it and share my story. Wow. There's a lot. So... Hey, graduate from Penn State, you begin your dream career. And in the midst of that, you get a spot. And that's reasonable to think because I have a background in dance too, as you know. I remember when I was growing up, yeah, you have those little spots when you pull your hair back too tight. It can pull out because you have to pull it back and keep it flat. And and I know that it's definitely reasonable to think, oh, yeah, it's going to grow back. It's not a big thing. This is just temporary. No. Look at us now. (laughs) (laughs) Not temporary, sis. (laughs) I love your story and your journey, how you just made this decision to, I'm going to go for it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then I'll figure it out after that. Mm -hmm. But the unique thing that you said, you glued on a wig and you slept in it, you showered in it, did hot yoga. To me, it seems like you were really holding on to the old you before you really embraced the new you. One million percent. I was just so afraid and I wanted to get on with my career. I'm like, this whole tumultuous situation has happened. I need to just get on with my career. And I can't even look at myself in the mirror ball. I always wore wigs at the time. I was not confident, not accepting of it. I was just like, I need to get on with my life. I'm 23. I need to get on with my career. And so I was definitely trying to lean into who I used to be or who I was with long blonde hair. Do you think the fear of if you embraced that part of you, nothing good would have came from it? One thousand jillion percent. I was so afraid. I'm like, no one's going to like me. I'm not going to book any jobs. I'm not going to meet anyone to date. I'm not going to make friends. I'm not going to have a career. Literally. And I know a lot of people, even moms, have that fear for their kids. It's natural, but it's so wrong. It's so wrong because if we can lean into the beauty of who we are and embrace our differences and truly live our life fully in alignment with who we are as people, that is where the magic happens. And it might not happen overnight or in a month, but that is truly how we're supposed to live, I believe. How has that been for you when you go through this season of, I have it all figured out wait, what? Alopecia? What is that? Now I'm bald to embracing this new you. How has your life changed from Christy with hair to Christy as a baldy boo queen? Well, I think first and foremost, like we were saying, I think it's just made my connections deeper. It's given me um, 
an invaluable amount of empathy. I think that I can relate to people on every level because of having alopecia. I think that I have always been like that, but not to the extent of how I've leaned into it and how much I've learned through my journey with alopecia. So I think that I was just kind of like, life was, for lack of better words, easy for me growing up or in high school and college. I don't have much to pull from in that realm. So I think that going through this in my 20s was meant for me, of course, but it was hard because it was like out of nowhere and I had never felt any sort of pain until the relationship I was in and the, my losing my hair and then my job all within the same, I don't know, six months. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so what was the support like for you? Because I know you had all that happen. Are you the only one in your family with alopecia? Is this the first occurrence in your family line? Yeah, no one has had it. No one's even ever really heard of it. Uh, but the support was amazing. I have my parents and my brother and then a couple of my really good friends. Amazing. And I don't think that they'll ever, well, they won't ever fully understand what it's like to live as a bald woman, but they try their best and they are there for me. And I feel that they're good at listening because I like to vent sometimes, <laughs> especially when all that was going down. Like, I got to get it out. And I think that I have good people around me that are sometimes just listening ears. Sometimes that's all we need is just someone to listen. And I think that my mom does a really great job of that for me, gratefully, and my family. What was it like for you being a new alopecia and figuring it out with relationships? Because you just said that your support with your family, your brother, your parents, and your really close-knit friends. Did you notice changes in people around you when you started embracing this version of you? Oh, good question. Honestly, no. I'm trying to think. I think that I have this way about me that I'm like, this is what's going to happen. Either I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be out there. And you're either here for the ride or you're not. And I think that I attract people that are, are more here for it. So I think that I didn't really go through, I mean, outside of personal relationships like work, it was different. Definitely a different experience because it's more than like a deep connection that you have with someone versus a friend. It's a deeper connection. So I think that it was different. I worked at a bar in Hollywood and I always wore my blonde wig. Always, always, always. And I forget my GM, the general manager made some comment about, I forget, because I was just too scared to wear, to go no wig at the time. And I just remember he had made some comment, not even knowing or something. And I just was like, okay, well, after him saying that, I'm definitely not going to go with mm. no way. No. So that kind of thing. But my relationships and friendships, I don't think that anyone, I, I didn't, could have been behind my back, but to my face, I don't really have any, I don't remember anything of people treating me differently, thankfully. Oh, that's good. Because I know with other allopations I've talked to, and I know I've experienced this, um, when we go through this change and we start embracing this, it can be confronting to people's insecurities and they don't know how to handle that. That's so true. I was curious with your experience, if you had anything like that, because I know I've experienced that where on the daily, sometimes I could just be walking down the street. I catch someone's eye and then they have that very inquisitive look of trying to figure me out. And I have this feeling like, I think I plugged a string. I think that uh, that's definitely the case for me. I like how you worded it to explain it to me. I think that sometimes 
when I'm around my friends and they're making comments about their hair or whatever, their appearance, I feel like I've been in a stage of being bitter and angry that I've projected that on them to be like, well, at least you have hair and stuff like that. And now I'm getting more to the point of more acceptance. At the time, I feel I was very much, well, you can't talk about your hair around me. You can't complain about it because I don't have any and your eyebrows and this and that. I don't want to hear about it. And I think that's because I was very bitter and angry. And now I'm more accepting and loving of my alopecia that I don't have that jump to go at people. But even in like pass by in public, of course, there's people that look or question or comment or call you sir. That, that happened to me the other day. I was walking to the gym and the guy was like, welcome in, bro. And then he looked up and he was like, I, I mean, welcome in, ma'am. And he like changed it because <laughs> I guess he thought I was a guy. and He felt so weird, but I didn't phase me. But maybe if I was having an off day or whatever, it would have. But I was just like, he wasn't looking. Could have been anyone. Yeah, I've had a similar experience recently where I was on my lunch break from work, went to a place I frequented. It was one of those days in New York where it wasn't too cold, but definitely not warm because we're still in winter. We're approaching spring. Had my coat on, but I didn't need a hat that day. I wanted to enjoy the cool breeze, which is a nice perk for when you're bald. You get to enjoy the weather differently. Yeah. <laughs> And same thing happened to me. I was exiting the facility. Someone said to me, ah, thank you, sir, and walked in. It didn't phase me because I recognized he really didn't mean anything by it. He really didn't look at me. Right. And if he had, he would recognize, oh, that's a woman. Right. Detaching the emotion part of it. It's just kind of the reality. People aren't necessarily so used to seeing bald women. So there might be some slip ups. And if we we can't control everybody's reactions and comments. So if we can work within ourselves to get to a place of not letting it bother us as much, of course, there's days that you want to snap on them. But I think that working on being okay in here, in, inside of us, will minimize those, those aggressive reactions that we could have to people. I think that's part of the journey, too, as confident, bald women. We learn to distinguish between Who's really being malicious and trying to cut me down and make me feel like a bad person when they have no right to versus an innocent mistake where someone really didn't look at us because the common acceptance is meant to be bald versus women? Such a good point. It's just it happens. It's a process getting to the point of accepting in all areas. It's a lot. It really is. And just how alopecia heightens your awareness of things. What has that been like for you with this new level of awareness with yourself and how it came to a different type of realization you hadn't walked through before? I think that it's made me more aware of people, the differences and people's struggles, and that it's normal to be going through something or have something that sets you apart. I just think growing up and in college, high school and college, I wasn't aware of where I grew up, I wasn't exposed to that much or uh, differences just because of where I grew up. And I think that now it's made me more and living in a big city, such a melting pot in where New York and L.A., it's just made me more like, oh, I get it. I understand you. I don't get your experience, but I understand you are this way or feel this way because of what you've been through or what you believe or how you feel or what you've gone through. So it's just made me a... a all around better persons. Everybody, I've said this before, but if everybody in the world could have alopecia, the world would be an amazing place because it would give, it would teach people so much. You know, I, 
I completely agree with that because I don't think that happens. <laughs> well, we could let me stop it. <laughs> Again, I completely agree because I feel for me when I listen to people's stories, whether if it's someone just seeing me on the street and feeling overwhelmed with an emotion and going, oh, I can relate to this person just sharing their story. I feel I listen differently. And the way I take in someone's story and what they've been through to what you said, it's really easier for me to have empathy and relate to them. And then because of where I'm at with my journey, I've noticed how there's been a shifting to where people used to do the automatic assumption, oh, she has cancer, to do you have cancer? I don't know what they see, but I've noticed as time goes on. Interesting. There's been a shift. And I think, you know, what we're talking about with the healing, the confidence, and I don't look sick. I'm just bald. What is that like? For you with assumption, dealing with someone thinking you have cancer. I know with you in the entertainment industry, I'm sure that's happened when they try to typecast you in that way. Right. And I think I've told you this before. One of my friends put me up for a job and he was so excited. He's like, I booked you this job. They were looking for a role on this TV show and I submitted you and you were picked. But then they ended up cutting the scene. And so we didn't use you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this is so great to hear. Thanks for putting me up for it. What was the character literally not even crossing my mind for one single second that it was gonna be what he was about to say i was thinking i don't even know what i was thinking i just was not thinking this and he's like oh you were gonna be a cancer patient and i was like oh right i completely forgot that that is what the typecast that i would go out for or could go out for I just feel I would be like the cheerleader or the the popular girl or something more the older sister that's going out clubbing. That's that what I feel I would fit more as the character as. But the world isn't there yet. I love that you said you've noticed a difference, Jen, over the years of time passing that people don't assume you have cancer. I think that's definitely because of the awareness that there's so much more awareness than even back when I first got it, which was only five years ago. I think that the world and the entertainment and media hasn't gotten to the point yet that they would book a bald girl as just a bald girl, not with the whole storyline being why she's bald. And I can't wait for the day that that's a character. It's just there's four friends and one of them's bald and one of them's brunette and one of them's this and that. And they're just friends. And it's not like, well, she is alopecia or she has cancer. It's just her look. Of course, alopecia is mentioned, but it's not the whole storyline around that. So it was shocking. Oh, I was going out for a cancer patient when I can't relate to that at all by any means, you know? Yeah, I know for me, with my perspective, watching the entertainment industry as a consumer, there's still this rap in movies and TV shows that either bald means sick or bald is bad. It's just not for the sake of, I'm just bald. Yeah like an adjective or a word attached to it. We're just, this is just our look. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm waiting for the day to where I can see a bald woman, a man with villiligo, all these unique differences where it's not a big deal anymore. I'm waiting for that day. And that is when stuff is really normalized, when it's just normal. It's just a matter of fact, she looks like this and she looks like this. And it's not like, oh, well, we're diverse and we're inclusive and we're 
sharing the story. Just make it normal by being getting, letting the character or the model or whatever be normal and not making it a whole storyline around it. Yeah, a certain social media platform. I know there's a well-known alopecia in the UK where they started using her for advertisements to promote professionalism, that it's okay to be a bald woman in professionalism. And I'm happy that we have that. We do need that. But then at the same time, well, couldn't you just do something else in advertising professionalism without breaking up the bald component? Because we can see her. Right. We can That's see her. True. You don't need to say the word bald or right. We can say that you're bald. Good yeah. point. I mean, I know that's, that that was probably, I can assume that was probably in conversation. You know, hey, we want to promote alopecia awareness. Would you mind doing this? I'm sure that conversation happened. But then because we're on this side of it, why can't it just be she's a professional woman in this vocation and that's it? Yeah, true. But I'm also thinking as we're talking about this, it feels like it has to happen like this. So it eventually will be that. This is the more of the, like, the beginning stages that it, and then hopefully in years to come or sooner it's more just that we already are feeling that and i feel that's where it's gonna go because it's like this right now we're definitely in the beginning like i said i'm looking forward to when we come to that if you don't mind me asking what has dating been like for you versus with hair and then now as a bald woman i love this question because i feel like it's so important and we talk about it so much on balterage i feel initially well dating with hair it was fine it was just normal i was there weren't really dating apps when i was in college back then um so comparing it it's just such a different and it's such a different pool of people in la let me tell you compared to the middle of nowhere pennsylvania where i went to college <laughs> so it was very i don't even know if normal is the right word but it was very simple in college um but when i lost my hair i dating i would say in the beginning i was very hesitant to tell the guys that I was seeing. Mostly in the beginning when I was wearing a wig, I wouldn't tell them. And then if they like were to put their hands around my neck or around my head, I would move their hands because I just was so uncomfortable. And then I, on my dating apps, I first had a little bit, I think all with a wig. And then I changed it to with a wig and without a wig. So it was a little bit of both. And then I think these men are getting confused because they're dumb and they're like, is this the same girl? What's going on? So then when I was finally comfortable and it was out on my social media and whatnot, I went completely bald on my profiles. And I remember it used to be a huge deal for me when I would go on a date without a wig or like go on a date. Yeah. Without a wig. I, it, it was a, such a huge deal. And I just remember being like, well, should I wear a wig? Should I not? Should I tell him? How's he going to react? Like all these things that all of us feel. Um, but it would take me a lot to go on a date without a wig. I remember I'm on a date once with this guy and he, I went with a blonde wig and he was like, oh, weird. I totally thought you were going to come like your pictures. Like all your pictures are bald. Why are you wearing a wig? And I, that didn't even cross my mind. I think maybe I had one or two with a wig or whatever, like, or he had seen my Instagram or something. And I remember being like, oh, that's so funny how he was like perceiving it as, of course, she's going to come bald because she's bald. Whereas I'm like, is he going to like me if I come bald? This is a couple of years ago. Is he going to like me? What is he going to think? And I did this, the, the wig to have the safety net and to feel comfortable. 
which of course I feel way more like covered and comfortable in a wig, but he was totally thinking that the opposite. So I think I've noticed, and now recently I'm like seeing this guy and I have noticed that if I'm more um, comfortable and secure and confident in myself, all of this doesn't matter. The guy that I'm dating, like if, or whoever, if they're perceiving me as like, oh, it's just Alpisha and not as, well, this is when I first started. This is what I've been doing with this guy. Like first starting, I was acting very much like, oh, it's just my Alpisha acting very confident. And then as I am getting, as I know, know him more, um, I've shared that like this isn't just a happy-go-lucky thing. There are some days that I struggle and that some days it is hard. But I initially approached it like, I'm a boss, I'm bald, take it or leave it. I'm happy with this. I'm comfortable and confident. And then as I feel more comfortable with him or whoever, I think it's really powerful to share like the vulnerability of this isn't all rainbows and unicorns. Some days it sucks. And yeah, I think, it all comes back to like loving yourself and how you can put yourself out there because you are secure and love yourself no matter what. I remember sometimes I would go out on a date or go somewhere with guys and my friend would be like, oh, well, they already have seen you with no wig and they like you. So it's fine. And I'm like, or whatever the wording was. And I'm like, well, it's not about them. Like, I don't care if they like me or if they've already seen me. What do I feel comfortable with? What t- on this day today, how am I feeling? And go with that, not to please anyone else or to make sure no one else feels uncomfortable or to confuse anyone else like it's how I feel and what it's for me at the end of the day and as I go out into the world to anybody it's me to make sure I'm okay with where I'm at on that day and I think that all comes back to self-love and a good point you made with going through that because alopecia shows our vulnerability in a way we can't hide So the fact that you're going into an environment with someone, you have no idea who this person is. So the real question is, can I even trust this person seeing me as this? Because I think anyone, whether you have hair or not, can agree with, hypothetically, if you still had all your hair and you go on a first date, you're not going to tell the guy every single thing about the real you and a raw conversation because it's just a first date. Right. And so true. But then with alopecia, you show up all, then it's kind of the unofficial announcement of, hey, this is me in the raw. Yeah, that's a really good point. Not everybody has to go through that because it's clearly out there. Like when if you go bald, I'm showing you a vulnerability. And sometimes I'm like, okay, well, you know this about me. So go ahead and me open the door and you share something vulnerable about yourself because I'm sitting here being vulnerable. And it's not always can't always be like back and forth because we're just as ourselves and then it's out there. Right. And with another thing you said that is very interesting and I want to make sure people catch on to it. You are going through a process of learning how to respect yourself in those situations. What am I really feeling like today? Are my insecurities to a point where it's just too much and it would be better for me to go with a wig or a wrap or if I just go outside and get in the car or walk or whatever and drive, will that just go away because it's just the anxiety of going on a date? Right. So true. Dating, going out for new jobs, auditioning, making new friends, whatever it is, it all comes back to everything, all the exterior factors, it all comes back to working on yourself to be okay and listening to yourself. 
Maybe today, maybe this date you want to go with a wig. So be it. Lean into that and listen to yourself or whatever it is. Go to this job interview. Lean into that and be aware of what is making you feel fulfilled and empowered in that moment. And there's no rules. It's not like there's a rule book and it's like on this date, you have to do this. And on this, we're all just trying to figure it out. And we have to be true to ourselves in making all these decisions, which seems really hard sometimes. They are hard. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned it already, your wonderful foundation, Balturage. What inspired you to create such a wonderful foundation that creates awareness and yet a safe space for both beautiful girlies and beautiful bald women? I was really alone and at the part of my journey that I was like, am I the only one going through this? There's got to be other people. And it was during right when COVID hit. And I was like barely going outside, wasn't doing my makeup, wasn't feeling good by any means about myself. And so I was like, maybe I could create something that has other people feel connected and not alone and they're safe and comfortable in their house, but maybe not on the outside world. So they can just come on Zoom without their wig on. And so I started to teach little girl dance classes with girls with alopecia and then it brought in out into Balturage. I were being like, I think that there's a community and a place for this for all of us to come together and connect. All of us probably wouldn't meet. There's all of us are from all over the world. We wouldn't meet without this. And I love that our connection, like on our wine nights, isn't always about alopecia this, alopecia that. It's sometimes just a catch up. Like, how was your week? What'd you do this week? Oh, you got a new job? Oh, you're dating a guy or whatever. Like, it's like a friendship, but we have this understanding of each other, unspoken understanding of each other. And I I think it's really powerful to, I think community is the mo- one of the most healing things in the entire world. So I think that it's powerful to have something of a community that everyone looks like each other in a sense it makes you feel like you're a part of something and that you're going to be okay and you see other women or other girlies out there thriving thinking I can do that too and it's motivating sometimes I'm like seeing my friends on you guys online talking in the group chat and I'm like oh she's doing that that's amazing I can do that I can get myself out there if she did that today or whatever it may be so yeah Balturash has feel like it saved me and has saved so many people or given so many people so much hope When I joined and seeing other women who were bald, whether they were completely bald like me or still had patches in any way, shape, or form, I felt like, okay, they get it. They know we're here. This is going to be good. And it is very healing. Getting into a community that really understands and gets what you're going through is very, very healing. And our wine night, there are just days where we just come and it's like, okay, how is everyone? I'm mad. Why are you mad? And we just let it out while drinking wine. <laughs> while drinking wine from the comfort of your own home, looking at a bunch of other women that look like you. It's amazing. <laughs> and I wanted to know, how did you come up with the name Baltaraj? I know when I first read it on social media, when I found you, I thought, why did I hear this word sooner? I love this word. Oh, really? Oh, I love that. I came up with it because uh, when I was in college, I was thinking of it, like trying to think of what could I name something like this? And then when I was in college or I had my blonde hair, people would always be like, oh, it's the blonde tourage, like walking into a bar or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, the ball tourage. Because I think when you think of like entourage, you think of a group of people supporting each other, coming together, going out together. 
And that's the energy that I try to cultivate in Baltarage. And we're all together and a group of people. And we're just like out here attacking the world while all looking similar. So it just came to me one day and I'm really proud of it. I really think that it's a great word and it has a lot of meaning and means a lot to me. I hope it ends up in the dictionary forever one day. <laughs> what is it like for you when you get together with us and being out in public as bald, baltarage, confident women? as someone who started a movement that has been growing steadily for a good long while? Yeah. Uh, I would say in public when I'm out, whether we're at an event or we're out to dinner with a bunch of us or I meet up with some of them, the girl or the ladies in LA, you're just like, wait, I'm not standing out. That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm not standing out anymore. In every other group that I'm with, I'm standing out because I look different. But when I'm with a bunch of bald women, I'm like, we're all standing out or no one's standing out, you know, we're just like in this together and it's comfortable. And I feel the conversations are deeper, even on our wine nights together. Like the conversations are deep because all of us have been forced in a way to go deeper. And I think that women with alopecia are very in touch with themselves. And you can tell when someone's done the work to get to the point of being aware of who they are and what they want and what they believe. And it's, I want to be around those kind of people. So I feel like that's like a, prerequisite. Once you get alopecia, you're like, I'm in touch with myself because I'm forced to be. So I really love surrounding myself with that kind of energy. And I'm sure that inspires you because with you as an, a performer in the entertainment industry, how you could bring those experience and that wisdom with you, I'm sure aids you in more ways than you can count. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I feel I can learn so many different things. Like I didn't grow up with alopecia. So a lot of you who had it as a child, I feel like I'm learning so much from you guys about alopecia, about what it was like as you were a child, why you're, you are the way that you are today because of how you grew up. I think that it really teaches me a lot. And we all are living different lives in different cities, doing different jobs, different ages, got alopecia at different ages, like, but we all can relate to hair loss. So I think that it's really eye-opening for me. And it, as much as I'm the leader of it, you guys and the girlies like empower me and motivate me and make me want to keep going and keeping it growing and keep up with it because it's just so beautiful, the relationship that we all have. What is it like for you working with these girlies and seeing their growth from where they started with you to where they are now and how they are just evolving into beautiful, strong young women? I just feel like, I, how did I get so lucky to be able to have this sort of love and these young teachers, they're literally teachers to me. I'm just like, how did I get, like, it's the amount of love and happiness and fulfillment and inspiration and lessons that I learn and get from these girls is out of this world. Truly, I'm just in awe of, of, how I have this relationship with all these girls all over the world. It's so beautiful and it keeps me going. It keeps me walking out the door in the morning with nothing on my head and holding my head up high and talking about it and making it normal. They are so, so special, beautiful, powerful. They're everything. They really have so much to offer to the world. And it's so cool to see them come on Confidence Club like, bye. I'm Christy, like quiet and shy with their head down and wearing it. Two months, three months in, they're like, oh, this happened at school today. And they're talking and they're, 
interacting with the other girls and they have nothing on their head and they're laughing and they're smiling and they're doing solos. And it's just like, whoa, the amount of growth that I've gotten to witness by being a part of their lives, it's there's nothing like it in the world. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned it earlier, and I've seen this too with our New York meetup, the confidence that they already have. And when they do their one way walk and they wear one of your wigs that you braid, like, pick out a wig. And then oh they throw it down on the ground in their unique way. It's just so cool and inspiring to see them at such a young age already walking this this out that took you and I a long time to get right. to. But they get to do it while they're very young and it becomes normal right away. That's what I think is so important that they're over and over and over again being taught what self-love is, what confidence is, embracing who they are. like. We are what we are taught. We're teaching these girls from a young age over and over and over again. So when they grow up, hopefully this spirit and this confidence and this love they have for themselves is protected and nourished and nurtured. I mean, and they are this way when they're adults and the world doesn't suck it out of them. I don't think it will. As they grow and mature, every one of us is going to go through challenges. But I think because they have this community already, and they know it's a safe place to come to and they're going to grow in it. It's going to make all the difference in the world. And I know with our community that we have that you started, first and foremost, thank you. I wish I had this when I was a kid because I was the only one in my community and never knew anyone with it. I'm just so excited for the future with these girlies because of how they're going to impact it in such a big way, which they have no idea yet but how the world as they enter into adulthood is going to be very different. And they are already in a place of, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. And it doesn't matter if I'm bald or not. I'm just going to show up and turn up. Yeah. So I haven't turned up. You said that on a shirt. <laughs> I like that. Show it's, up and turn up. <laughs> I love it. It's true. It's the, these girlies are really going to take over the world and we're going to be, we're going to be their cheerleaders. Like, Yes, we were there as they on their come up. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to ask you is femininity. Have you found to connect to that in the stage of life where you are now? I know you understand the struggle with dealing with the realization of being bald and not feeling like a woman sometimes because you don't have that part of your identity and exterior anymore reconnecting of no I am a woman I am beautiful and it doesn't matter if I have hair or not it's such a struggle and I know we talk about this a lot in our wine nights when I wear a wig I feel so like my old self just comes back and I'm just feel girly and and cutesy and feminine and so without a wig and having the hair like hitting my back or like blowing it over my shoulder or whatever it is I think that I've leaned into other things to make me feel feminine. I know we talked about this, like wearing a off the shoulder shirt, showing my collarbone, my shoulders. You agree with that? That makes me feel feminine. Wearing makeup. I think makeup is so powerful. Getting spray tans. I definitely will get behind a good old spray tan, even though they're really hard to keep up with. Um, and what I wear a lot of it. I love high heels. I love purses. I love accessories. Sometimes I like, like you have on cute glasses. I love to wear things that make me feel good and sexy and feminine because that's where I feel my best. But on the same 
token. I also love a baggy sweatshirt and baggy sweatpants. So I don't know. I think that the, it's hard. I think that the, I don't really know to have the answer, but I think that when I feel the most feminine and I'm in touch with my femininity, I think it has to do a lot with how I present myself that day or like how I take care of myself. Yeah, maybe that's a better saying, like a word for it. Like I really put time into working out, eating right and sleeping good and like those type of things. Um, I guess it's somewhat in touch with my or related to my femininity. But at the end of it, I love to dress up and wear what I want to wear. And maybe like when I was saying about the sweatshirt and sweatpants, I would wear that on a day that I'm probably feeling good about myself. I wouldn't wear that on a day that I'm like feeling a little bit more mm. uh, not as like confident. I would wear something that brings out my confidence and makes me hold my head up high, like a good old crop top and high heels or something like that. But sweatshirt and sweatpants is comfortable and. So I love a good hood over my head and I don't feel feminine in that at all, but sometimes you just want to be comfortable. So I also think that not every day, as I'm talking about this, it's like becoming more clear to me. Not every day I desire feeling feminine. I think some days I'm cool with wearing a baggy sweatpants and sweatshirts and just laying low. But when I am feeling more like I want to lean into my femininity, then I will doll myself up. But at the end of it, I think it comes back to, again, self-love and like everything you're doing and pouring into yourself. Since we can't control our hair, we can control more so like what we're wearing, our makeup or our outfits or high heels or taking care of ourselves, our bodies and whatnot. I think that's very key. I've noticed a difference when, because of how life is, you get lazy about doing some of the things you need to do because sometimes you're just burnt out, you're tired and you want to rest. But then you feel the difference in your body versus when you do that 30 minute workout and you drink that extra bottle of water. You eat the fruit instead of the cookie, even though there's nothing wrong with having a cookie once in a while. We love a cookie. We love a cookie. <laughs> Especially chocolate. I need. I need, I need chocolate too, girl. Same. Work <laughs> girl. I, same. I'm the same way. <laughs> Those chocolate covered Oreos. I need that. <laughs> Stop it right now. I want one. <laughs> That's also a form of self-love. Like, listen to yourself. You want a chocolate piece of chocolate cake? Girl, get yourself a piece of chocolate cake, you know? It's about balance and what feels right to you in that moment. Right. You don't have to feel bad just because you're like, you know, I'm going to go get my favorite coffee. As you said. Absolutely. And speaking of which, what is your favorite coffee? I'm curious. Girl, I love an oat milk iced latte. That is my favorite. There's this new place that opened up in the city that makes a delicious honey lavender latte. Yum. Lavender. That sounds really good. What's your favorite? That's my new favorite. This was the first time I've experienced this. And the reason why I like it, it's because it's a nice balance of not too sweet, not too bitter with the coffee and with the lavender in it. It's very calming. Yeah, I bet. And the, the like flavor or the taste or the smell of the lavender, right? You really don't smell it much, but you do taste it very lightly. But then I just really like the feeling of, wow. Oh, you can feel it. I love that. I don't know what it is. I don't know how much lavender they put in this latte, but I just love the feeling of. Oh. <laughs> I've heard that. I'm lavender. I'll have to try it. 
No, no. I would recommend it to everyone. Please get a honey lavender latte. It will change. Sounds really good. <laughs> you need to be sponsored by something that does that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that sponsorship. <laughs> well, another thing I want to ask you: What are three words of encouragement or phrase or phrases you could give to someone, either? At the very beginning of their alopecia journey, they just got the news and they have no idea what it is. Or someone that's in the middle of the trenches, just like, how do I make this traumatic thing a good thing? Mm -hmm. I would say it's not always going to be this hard. So hang on. Don't give up because it's not always going to feel the way that it feels today. And I would say, put the work in, put the self-love work in, because you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, it's fine. I'm bald and happy. Like, I think that you have to, after going through something like this, you have to find a community. You have to take care of yourself. You have to find reasons to the other parts of yourself that you really love. You need to do your affirmation. You need to, if you're into that, meditate or pray. Like, you need to do things or journal about how you're feeling. Surround yourself with people that get you or that you feel comfortable with. Do other stuff. Put yourself out there and do things that scare you. So I would say like it's really important to do the work to get yourself to a better place. And I would say join Baltarage. Join Baltarage. (laughs) Will not regret it. Speaking from experience. (laughs) Come with us. Like we will help you get to a better place because I think the community above all is the most healing thing. I agree. And it really is. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining me today and rocking your balls with me because you rock it so well. No balls. I love seeing your post on social media. It's always one of the highlights of my day. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks, Ted. Love you.